this is bad lighting on me. I don't know what is, but I don't look good. It's like cloudy peach yellow. Uh, I think it's these backlights. I'm going to try them. Ooh. In a world of divisiveness, we bring you diversity. In a world of hate, we bring you love. In a world of fear, we inspire you to live. And now, laughing, loving, and alive with your hosts, Rain Thomas, Elmer J. Howard, and Dr. Kevin. Hello, I am Evan Almighty. Oh, okay. And who does that make you this week, Miss Rain? You know what? I think I'm going to be Ricky Ricardo. Weren't you that last week? I'm probably that every other week in my personal ah. life. Oh, okay. Well, who do I? I'm going to be Fred Mertz. I love it. The name sounds familiar, but I can't conjure up who that is. Fred and a Fred and um, a <laughs> Fred and they don't even know who that is. Yeah, no. Fred Mertz was um, Vivian Vance's husband on the original I Love Lucy show, and he—that was his character's name, Fred and Ethel Mertz. And uh, of course, in the later Lucy shows. She got called Viv because her real name is Vivian Vance. So that's why I stumbled for a second. But yeah, it was um, Fred and Ethel Mertz. And it was played by an actor named William Frawley. And he mm -hmm. was an old vaudevillian originally, song and dance man. Um, and he, God, he was like 25, 30 years older than Vivian Vance was in that series. Was he really? Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, Vivian Vance was, was um, yeah, I'm pretty sure. I think it was at least 20 years. But yes. So, you know, Ricky. <laughs> he was shrewd. He hated to spend a dollar. He wouldn't fix anything. He was always, I, I love that show. That was really good humor back in the day. I mean, Lucy obviously was a pioneer. But when you think about it, you couldn't put your beds together. You couldn't sleep together in those shows. Um, remember when she was pregnant? Mm. Oh, yeah. Yep. I remember when she was pregnant. I remember, I, I mean, one of my favorite episodes was, uh, you know, which is not one that's hailed a lot, but I always enjoyed it when she ended up telling Ricky she was pregnant at the club because she cannot, kept on not telling him that she was pregnant. And she was trying to find a way and he was like oh, busy and brushing her off. And so she slid in and he go, he got this announcement that said, so we've got a young, we've got a couple here tonight and um, she's having her first baby. And um, I've been asked to sing a song. And um, so she, so he's singing this song. You're having my baby, not you're having my baby, but, um, there was a, I can't remember the song now. It will come back to me probably. And he's going around the audience asking, is it you? Is it you? Is it you to all the couples at the Copacabana? And finally sees Lisa, Lucy at the table and he's like, oh, hi, Lucy. And then she kind of looks and he goes, is it you? <laughs> and she went, yes. Oh, it was this, it was a fabulous episode. I don't think I've ever seen that. Oh yeah. Nah, it's worth watching. I'm going to have to go back and pull it. I, that doesn't sound familiar. I remember just seeing her pregnant, like really yep. pregnant. Yep. Yep. So, yep. Mm. So anyways, and I still think that for percentage of population wise, I think that her episode of actually having the baby was the most watched one in history. Because you didn't see that on television back then. That was not a thing. No, there was no store. They didn't look under a rock. I mean, like, where did that baby come from? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember one of the episodes where they started, when she her stomach started growing, they only showed her from, like, the breasts up. Yep. 
because they said, you know, you weren't supposed to show a pregnant belly on television. Like, wow, that wasn't that long ago. No, no. There's a lot of things that really were not that long ago that are horrifying of how time has been moving so fast with so much crushed into it. You know, you look at the 20th century and it was the fastest moving century in recorded history for like new, you know, like new inventions and interconnectedness. And now we look at the first, you know, the first two decades of the 20 um, of this century, the, the 22nd, 21st century. And we look at it and we're well on pace to way past that. And that with pros and cons, but yeah. Yeah. I feel like I am left out every day. Like just when I think I'm almost catching up, something comes out and all of a sudden I'm still five, 10 years behind. And I know that's technology and there's so many different social media platforms that, you know, people like, Oh, nobody goes to Facebook anymore. I'm like, okay, so where does everybody go? Like, I don't even know what's current anymore. Well, you know, so here's one of the things I want you to think about, Rain, is we, the young people are getting so inundated with keeping up on the new stuff that they are missing a ton of fundamental blocks mm -hmm. that people in our generation and like the generation before us, which was Elmer's generation. <laughs> I.e. Fred Mertz. <laughs> no, uh, um, but is that they're missing context and they're missing building blocks of uh, things that put holes in their critical thinking skills and working with these, with these kids when I do, you know, I have to take a deep breath and not get frustrated because there were many things that have gotten run over that we used to learn. And you know what? I'm still not a big fan of raising your child on an iPad or an iPhone at such a young age. And making them be the primary educator, babysitter, you, you're missing things. And you see it with the anxiety level in this generation. And part of that anxiety is because they don't have basic building blocks for adulting and getting through, getting through in this world. They're missing. And then they're trying to like fill them in. And then, oh, good Lord, they go and Google it. And they get 5,000 different opinions on the way that it should go. And that, you know, and so it, it, we have created this dilemma by the abstaining of, of, uh, of hands-on, full-time adult parenting with children. Mm -hmm. And we've created a world where for a lot of families, to just keep food on the table and a roof over their head, that's not even possible. And yet we look like during the day, the pandemic, the top 2% all created billions and billions of dollars of more wealth for a handful of individuals where the majority of the people got further behind and poorer and stressed out more. And, you know, it, these are the conditions that cause cause revolutions. Mm -hmm. You you yeah. have a, you have a version of an aristocracy in this country today. It's a kind of aristocracy, and so in an, in that aristocracy, you know, if you are lucky and you get the nod from the right person, you may have voice or not. No. So you and I obviously are old fashioned. Elmer. We're old. You, yeah. Well, and that too. <laughs> Elmer, what do you feel about what the everything that's happened in the last 20 years? Because you are part of it. Here's one of the um, problem makers. Yeah. 
I'm I'm not excited about the last few years of this country. Um, just and, and just humanity in general. Um, I just feel like you know, being the 21st century, you know, it's not not what I th- think where humans should be overall as a, you know, there's, I mean, obviously there's people who are enlightened and people who are trying to create equality and push out love instead of hate or war and such. Um, but they're just, there's a lot more than the, on the other side than I would like to see. And, and I just feel like, um, I think with the younger generation, even the generation after me, um, they are just so disenfranchised with you watch somebody you know, not to get political, but, you know, recent president who violated so many laws and did so much, you know, illegal stuff that you and I would have been slapped to the cuffs faster than, you know, you could have blinked your eye to just walk away and not have any repercussions. And it's like, so why should we care? Why should we fight to stop these people when then they're not held accountable? They can just turn around and do it again. Yeah. Like Putin, <laughs> you know, look what's going on in Russia. In, in yeah, the- that's a mess. For sure. Oh my goodness. You know, so, but anyways, I don't want to admire us down too much into a, a you know a long conversation. I just, you know, I just at, like to ask people from different generations. You know, just like the you know the Ellen generational show, when you put three women in a room and there's fifteen to twenty years between each, and all of a sudden they think, oh, you know, we've always had the right to advocate for ourselves as a doctor. Uh, no, that wasn't a thing not very long ago. I mean, in even in my 20s, you were not, you were supposed to go to the doctor, keep your mouth shut. And if you didn't like what he said, that was really too bad. Oh, thank I, you. I, yes, Christine, I realized that after I loaded the show that I put the wrong ear in. <laughs> It's okay. It's I'm even more left behind. I might be caught up now if you put 2021 in there. I'm actually good. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm always curious because, you know, I see, I talked to a, a young lady who was 12 and she says, oh my goodness, she said, I feel like I'm 35. How does a 12 year know what it would feel like to be 35? Because she's like, you know, I always have my teachers text me about to remind me about my homework at night. You know, my parents text me about my homework or friends are text- like, it nonstop. Nobody unplugs. So we're not getting enough sleep. She said, does she think she's sleep provide de- deprived? How is that as a kid? Do you even know what that means? I mean, we were made to go to bed back in the day. You were going to bed, sleepy or not. But now it's just on and on. And they're talking about, you know, here, all the kids that come to class, and before class starts, they're like out cold on their desk because they've been working the whole time at home and they're taking care of their siblings and they're taking care of the household and they're cooking. So they feel my age and I feel left out. So, you know, one of the things I want to comment and then I want to bring in tonight's guest because this definitely is spiraled into something that could be a whole show on it. So. <laughs> right. And we may want to do one. <laughs> but you said something, you know, in your generational show. And just so you know, um, Elmer, if we're willing to dress up in drag, then she's willing to pitch us to, to Ellen. Um, <laughs> now, uh, <laughs> um, is that today, you said that, you know, that women today can advocate with their doctor. Well, they can if their doctor doesn't, it isn't uh, if they aren't on some kind of socially subsidized insurance, mm-hmm. then mm-hmm. them advocating with their doctor can uh, can completely screw up everything. The right. doctor is this demigod between them and they're getting their benefits and right. their stuff. And so there are still a ton of women and men that cannot advocate with their doctor unless they are in a good enough job or in a good enough place financially where they can actually either not need insurance or have really good insurance where the insurance company is going to back them up if they challenge their doctor. But, you know, then on the other side, the insurance companies, you know, 
That's a whole different beast. <laughs> so speaking of different beast, yes, that was a good segue, but it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good segue. This person is a beast. Okay, first of all, biologist. I didn't mean it. Chemist. It's okay. <laughs> he meant it, Bobby. Trust me. Chemist, hair guru. <laughs> I told him I, this was. He asked if you had ever done my hair. Obviously, I'm not high enough in the royalty. Uh, to have Bobby do my hair. So she gives me to all the people under her. Like I can't get an appointment. It's been 10 years and I still not have been able to score an appointment with Bobby. That's okay. I'm just saying, um, takes me like four months to get an appointment, but I was at a first Friday, uh, here in Vegas as, uh, they're down in the arts district. And I had been driving, five hours one way every 60 days to Arizona to get my hair done. I leave at 3 a.m., get there at eight o'clock in the morning, get my hair done at nine, finish at one or two, and then drive back home. And so I went to this first Friday, which I had never been to. And everybody that was out there had their hair done in all these locks and these fun colors and these stuff. And I stopped them and said, okay, who's doing your hair? They're like, oh, Bobby. I'm like, Bobby who? Like, where is Bobby? And they're like, over there, because no one has an address, right? No, they're just like over there. So after the sixth or seventh person, I was actually standing in front of Raw Remedies Salon. And I and this young lady was walking, her hair was straight, and the ends were like these gradient shades of bright green. I said, okay, who does your hair? Is it Bobby? And she's like, yes. I said, who is Bobby and where do I find this person? And I turn around and Bobby's standing right there. I said, I need you to do my hair like tonight. And she goes, oh no, you have to make an appointment. No, I don't want to make an appointment. I need my hair done like right now at this first Friday. And needless to say, my hair has never been done by Bobby, but it's okay because <laughs> oh man, when you go to the salon, it's always an incredible experience. The, the, the precision, um, just she takes it very seriously, which she should. It's people's hair. I didn't know that people called her magic hands. Um, I learned that a few years back because every hair that every hair that she touches grows. But then I found out biologists and a chemist and creating these elixirs and all these missions and doing fundraising and fundraisers and helping out communities. This wasn't just a hair thing because this salon isn't like a salon. It's a community of different cottages that are in this salon that are safe haven. So with all that being said, and with my hair not up the par because, well, I just said, <laughs> Bobby Mullins. <laughs> So, Bobby, Thank my you. first question to you right out the gate is, um, was Rain sufficiently manipulative and and <laughs> mother perfection guilt rendering enough that at some point she may sit in your chair? Or are you just going to blow that all off? Well, after <laughs> after today, after today, we definitely will make that happen. I, I already know. <laughs> and I'll tell you, I, I would like to do everyone's hair. I, I'm, I'm sure you can imagine. Um, I've been there for 12 years and my mother is still trying to get an appointment as well. So don't feel bad, Rain. She she's not she's not been able to get in with me in a few years, too. But she so, has a bag, right? I'm sorry. She has a bag, though, right? She does. Yeah. See, I couldn't even get it. She wouldn't even sell me the last bag See? with this face on it. So I, oh, I have no pull in this. Okay. So we're gonna move the, the we're gonna move the show from um, Rain's list of complaints to actually see if we can find out something about Bobby. Because right now we know all about Rain's experience of Bobby. Um, but you're you're on timeout, Rain, until I can actually ask this woman a real question. Okay. <laughs> Before you put her on timeout, though, I do want I want you to understand this. That bag is going to be exclusive, right? And I told you when you come back, it's yours. I hold on to things, and it, I'm a terrible 
salesperson. Everything that I get to sell, I want to keep for myself. So people are like, yeah, that's cool. Oh, no, that's mine. I don't want to say <laughs> so. I, and, and that's because at one point I was a bit of a hoarder. I would collect things and I would just keep them there for keepsake. Never utilize them because I always knew that it would be worth something later. So moving forward, that bag is yours. Ask me what, what she like. <laughs> I love her. See, now yeah. Dr. Kim, you can ask her real questions. <laughs> <laughs> Miss Bobby. So when I looked at the write-up for this show, because, you know, the way that we kind of, this show tends to roll, though every show is different, is, you know, Rain gives the, the guest the third degree before they get on air, but tells me nothing. I give the third degree to the guest on air, and Elmer occasionally drops in to make sure that we all know that it's not a dummy there running the tech. And that he actually is, <laughs> he does have a voice. Uh, and, and, and occasionally a question. So it's in how it rolls. So I, I'm going to be, I'm sure she warned you, I'm going to be poking. Um, so this, when I read your read up, I just need to clarify a sentence. She said, it says in your, that what you gave us. She realized that too many of the products designed for natural hair were being made by people who didn't have natural hair. What is natural hair versus unnatural hair? Sure, so natural hair would be hair that's not processed with whether it be color or heat. Okay, so, so you're virgin hair. I mean, that's yes. what I would yeah. okay. Virgin hair, yep. So we, so, when you stepped into this, um, most of these, so all of the people that you discovered that were developing products were people, I look at it as hated their own natural hair because they all had to change it in some way to make it other than what they were given. Uh and <laughs> believe it or not, that's what cosmetology is. And so most people who develop product lines, they come from the cosmetology industry. Of course, it's an industry that is a moneymaker. So people are, are wanting to find out, you know, what people want. And of course, as you all were speaking before, what people want now are, are things that are not necessarily good for them, uh, things that, that don't really have uh, quality. And that's um, that also comes in forms of products. So the cosmetology industry, it is an industry that alters the hair. That's what that's the whole purpose of cosmetology is to be able to to break down the, the bonds of the hair by using chemicals, whether it be physical heat, you know, or um, any type of change that alters the natural state of the hair. Um, at one point, I um, I was totally against cosmetology schools or industry because there was not a a place where you know, outside of the medical industry where people can go and seek services after the hair was damaged. There's nowhere in cosmetology um, in because I now I'm also a cosmetologist. I, I actually started this business as a naturalist before we actually went to cosmetology school, myself and my team. It was actually against the law to provide this service because of the, the state stipulation stipulations, whereas you in order for you to physically touch someone, even if it's a shampoo, you have to have this co this cosmetology license. And so again, the industry I was totally against because it does alter the natural state by uh, products they were pushing like color products, um, you know, products to redefine curls or to, to actually relax the hair and to straighten the hair. And so in certain communities, um, Certain communities, mostly poor communities, they can't afford to buy luxury products that will complement the hair's health rather than, you know, it's a codependency on some of these products. People get addicted to them. They don't know that the hair is drying out based on the climate that, you know, people are in. We live in Las Vegas, so we have high, you know, uh, our elements up to 130 degrees. People don't realize how much how that what the damage is doing to their hair, and so that you're correct when you say about you know our industry or or um, really just being defining a place that you can go to be able to 
heal the damage that's been done. And that's that's why I'm a hot commodity in Las Vegas, because that's my entire purpose is for healing. Uh, which is great. Uh, I mean, I, I applaud that. I, I'm curious as in this moment, do you think that this industry is under-regulated or over-regulated? I think there are, it's, it's on both ends. It's a double-edged sword. Where there's over-regulation, it only benefits those people who are making money. Where there's, you know, under-regulation, you, of course you need sanit you need sanitation. You need, there needs to be some um, continuing education in regards to, you know, like, again, yeah, once the damage is done, the problem is, is that there, there over-regulations in regards to what types of products are being used. That means that you can only use products that are approved, quote unquote, by the, either the FDA or um, some of these, uh, the state regulations requires certain products to be used. That's over-regulation because you know, back in our day, and I'm, I'm 42, so I might be in that mid range, but most of our products came from home. We, you know, we use, we use natural preservatives, we used herbs, we use plants. And that's, and I've, I'm trying to bring back that, that, um, that thing that actually worked, you know, so the more and more you add chemicals and of course you're going to have regulations, but who does it hurt? It hurts those people who can't necessarily make a living on on ingredients or protecting their ingredients that actually work. Yeah, I mean, I think that you're you're in an industry that creates its own uh, creates its own need, and I look at it as one that is both a a victim of and a victimizer of self-worth, self-value, and self-esteem. And that these, a lot of people, it used to be more women than men, but now I think men are pretty much catching up, mm -hmm. somehow are made to feel like they cannot be natural beauties. And everything that you see as a natural beauty has either been so photoshopped or so something that people don't have any concept or idea of what natural beauty looks like. Yes. So my question to you is, how do you naturally green tint somebody's hair in all sorts of shades? Well, um, you can use chlorophyll. <laughs> you can use things that stain the hair. There are different herbs that you can use to stain the hair. Now, I wouldn't necessarily advocate for that. I'm more so into mental health aspects. So my thing is, is the question, why would you want six different shades of green? And do you know the consequences of staining the hair? Because even if you use a natural product to stain the hair, are you gonna? Are you okay with living with this color? Because in order to remove the color, as we know, with primary colors, you all, you have to strip the hair. You know, so. Okay, I'm sorry. No, no, finish. I'm sorry. I'm always ready with the next one, but I want you to finish with it's, your thought process. It's okay. Yep. So me personally, I would dig in. I would probe them on why they would want these several shades of green. Now, if they if it's St. Patty's, you know, if they're ED, um, EDM, raving, that makes sense. But for the average person walking around, you know, I, I would I would never advocate for any shades of color that aren't natural. So, so I've got to ask you this question, um, which is, so is people that do like the natural henna, is that good? Is that bad? Is that overused, underused? Does Where does that fall? Because that's the one that I think of. And, you know, I'm of a generation older than you, but that's the one that I think of that was supposed to be kind of the, you're not doing heavy duty chemical dye stuff, but you could do a henna rinse and it kind of rinses out on its own. And it's, and I was, I remember being told years ago and it's good for your hair. Now, whether that was just a big sales lie or not, I don't know, but that's what pops <laughs> in my head. Was I yes, it was a, 
you were lied to like in it in, like in every marketing scheme. <laughs> so henna is a safer way to color the hair. Unfortunately, we have different pigments of the hair. So henna doesn't work for everyone. Um, another thing about henna is that it's very drying to the hair. So anything that you leave on your hair follicle, it has to be able to receive it. Some people hair is porous, the ability to, to receive moisture or product. And what happens is, is that if with henna, it can, it can stay on top of the hair follicle. And then at that point, it can also clog the pore. So I, again, I wouldn't advocate for changing. I think it's still a mental health thing especially in America's industry, we could save a whole lot of money if we actually focused on who we were and where we were going physically, spiritually, and mentally in our, in our natural direction. And that's going, that's come, that's, I mean, now the problem that I have even outside of henna is when people start to, uh, to gray early or they, they start to, you know, see the silver. We, I love it. I love that. And and what ha the, it goes to again the conversation that we're having in regards to age gap. That's a that's a earned. Yeah, it and it, but it's also earned though. So putting henna on the hair, staining the hair, you still have to at some point remove it or you have to cut it off because it's almost like wearing a hat as I have on every day. We see some of the basketball players who are whose hair is thinning, so at some point they have to wear a hat. But if you don't have to wear a hat. Why are you wearing a hat every day so that the sun the sun is not able to penetrate? You're not able to receive any type of nourishment from the elements. And so you're just killing off your hair follicles. Well, that's what happens when you put anything onto the hair that's not natural. And so it just it just kills it. So. Fallacy, again, I, I my hair is natural now. I mean, there's there's nothing in my hair and I try to watch it, wash it with a good, what I'm, what I'm told is a good organic shampoo. Who yep. knows? You know, I'm, I'm not a chemist. I'm not a biologist. Um, thing I know about biology could be written in a book, but it would be X-rated. Um, <laughs> that's our after hour show. <laughs> I'm just warming up. Go ahead. <laughs> LLA after dark. <laughs> Um, but, um, seriously, but for years, because my best friend was a hairdresser, uh, for years. And as he was learning cosmetology in high school, he actually got his cosmetology license, hairdresser's license before his diploma, his high school diploma. Um, I was his test dummy. He frosted it and sanded it and reverse frosted it and it's been purple and it's been and it's been permed and it's been everything that and uh, under the sun. And I did that for years, off and on, you know, like with that. I share that because back then, and I don't know if still now, there was this thought, well, you know, you do something to the hair, but if you shave it all off, then you know, the damage gone. But an older and hopefully wiser, or at least I'm wiser in some parts of my body, um, is... And after dark. Yes, uh, yes. The part I sit on is the wisest, definitely. Um, <laughs> is, was the day that I woke up and realized, but wait a second, you're putting chemicals that are sitting on my head against yes. my scalp, and they're going <laughs> in here, and do you think that Things like dementia, Alzheimer's, and certain mental health issues can be either exacerbated or perhaps even caused through yes. chemicalization of the scalp. Address that. Yes, I definitely know that for a fact. Um, even in my own community, and I say when I say my own community, these are people who typically only wear natural hair. So. Locks is a form of natural hair. And so I speak for the lock community when I say my community. Um, what I've realized, and I've had a little bit insight of dissecting a cadaver. When you take off those, take and open up the, the layers of the scalp, you can see where the, the, the chemicals have sunken down into the layers of the, of the scalp and they have nowhere to sit. So it's, just, it's, it's almost like the lungs. If you're receiving all of these chemicals, where where are they going? And so that's 
if you forms of alopecia, for instance, there's forms of alopecia, even at some points is hereditary. And I, and I think that, you know, it can, it can cause those mental health and also physical um, traits in our offsprings. Well, yeah, I mean, there's this whole concept, which you may be familiar with. I work with it in my practice. One, one of the things I do in my practice is I'm a medical intuitive and I've been doing that for decades. And so, you know, I talk to the body and the body talks back to me and blah, blah. So um, is that whole concept of damaging at a DNA level, which then gets passed on if it happens before we have children. And then that altered DNA will yeah. continue to get passed on, um, on that. And, you know, I look at, that the obsession with hair to me started in the fifties where we got into the real, like more of the advanced dyeing and coloring and it was getting made more available to the, to the average person, you know? And so we have, we now have generations of women because the women in the fifties that were starting to do this, that it was, it was, you know, I mean, in, I'm not saying it didn't happen before then, but I think it hit a, a crucial turning point and got geared up. I don't know. If well, you're during the movement. What? I was going to say during uh, women liberation movements, you start to see those types of changes in, in women, women coming into the work field and the workforce, um, women being more exposed, you know, to different types of uh, crowds. You've seen that more, but it always starts with the male, even from, you know, wearing the wigs, wearing the high heel shoes, you know, they test the industry with the men first and then the, the, the women come after. But you. Interesting. Because how did, how were they testing men on things like perms and I mean, I mean, well, yeah, I mean, you, I mean, until the 1800s, men were wearing very, I mean, the men were more dressed up as peacocks than the women were. Yes. <laughs> it was kind of like that. The male will be bright because you try to protect the little woman and keep her semi plain and protected at home type of mm -hmm. uh, crap mentality. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay, but that's real. Okay. With the high heel shoes, men, you know, they wanted to appear to be, you know, more successful by height. So high heel shoes were designed. The wigs, for instance, the intricate wigs that men would wear in the 1800s, you know, yeah. these things. Like I said, I, I started seeing women really care more about. First of all, let's back up in the 50s and the 60s the salons were really a meeting place for women, even if they weren't getting their hair done. That's where the conversations happen. That's where the planning happened. You know, so I think the pressure started to become based on uh, the industry of making money because the JCPenney ads, you know, though when you, whatever you seen in the, in the marketing ads, then women want it. And so they already knew what products will work because the men it was successful with men. Yeah. Well, I kind of look at this uh, and, you know, and I'm always open for you to, to correct a perception of mine, because obviously you're our expert and that's why we have you here um, is, you know, even that of the, the drying, uh, you know, like the blow dryers and sitting there. I mean, I can't imagine that was ever healthy for hair. <laughs> okay. And, but, you know, but, you know, and then, then the dyes, but also the pressure of you are of considered to be of a different level or class if you have certain types of quaffs and certain, like, you know, it's a sign of, like it used to be fat men meant that they were wealthy because food was scarce. Yeah. And, 
So, you know, the men would have, would look pregnant and the women would look scrawny and the women were having the babies and the men would say, see how prosperous I am? <laughs> As they patted their belly. So um, I want to go back to the chemicals. What can somebody do that's listening in our audience if they have been doing constant, and the pandemic gave everybody's hair a break for the most part, probably. But if you've gone back to natural hair, but you have been hoodwinked by Madison Avenue to hate it, okay, um, what is the way back for you to feel good about yourself? And if you've decided you no long, longer want to um, basically burn out your brain through the chemicalization of your scalp, is there restorative things that can be done? There, there sure are. Um, well, I would first I would say is to seek a professional who has the experience of working with natural hair. And I say that because everyone's hair texture um, and, and damages that's done to the hair are different. It's, it's case by case. The, what a person could do immediately for themselves is to look in the mirror and find beautiful qualities outside of what their hair presents. That's the number one thing is that most people, they live through what's on their head, unfortunately, in that they forget about the other beautiful attributes. And so if you start with finding out what you like about yourself, then you'll be willing to take the risk of what you look like or what you may not look like with the hair that, you know, people are always used to covering their face or they're, you know, they're not used to short hair. You know, you, sometimes you have to be a little bit rebellious, uh, a little bit of being uh, rebellious if you want change to happen. And so my thing is, is the first step is to say, you know what, I'm not going to put any chemicals in my hair. What, what can I do? Let me shampoo my hair. If you have a, more of the straighter hair textures, maybe, you know, brushing it in sections, wrapping it around to try to create that volume and in its natural form, getting products that eliminate frizz that are natural. And then, you know, just kind of kind of not manipulating the hair so much. That's the biggest thing. The less you manipulate the hair, the more that the hair will try to try and work for you. How often for truly healthy hair? So what kind of, so first of all, how many people, let me ask you four questions at once and see if you well, have Before you get into that, Kevin, we have a question from a guest uh, listener. Yeah, like I can. So no, what's the question? <laughs> Four questions in the queue here in my head. Go ahead, quick. Ask the question. Rain, you had they had texted you. Yes, my phone is blowing up with people asking questions on how to get an appointment, and my hair is damaged. But I had this question from three different people. One's twenty six, one's twenty eight, and one's thirty five. Do you think that they're they've been wearing lace fronts for years? Is the lace front glue? ruining their edges? Could it cause alopecia? What, what yes. should they do? Yeah, so definitely, okay, any type of glue is going to ruin your, ruin your hair. They should stop doing that now. If they have to wear any type of, you know, concealer over their hair, I'm going to say the wigs are a little better because you can take it off. Mm -hmm. So with the glue, it's constantly sticking onto the, not only the hair, but the skin as well. And you're, it's not, there's no breathable, you know, there, you can't breathe under there. So if immediately take off the, take off the, the quick weaves or the weaves and, you know, at least get a wig for the most part, that's the first step. And the answer to that, the answer to the question is yes, it's ruining their, their hair. Okay. They're texting. Mm -hmm. I'm making appointment. Yeah. Good luck with that. <laughs> we do have stylists standing by. It takes about about six weeks to get an appointment. We have another question. Can you see that on the screen there? <laughs> What's a natural shampoo for dry scalp and how often should you wash? One of the questions I wanted to ask. Thank you, Christine. <laughs> about yes, how so, often should you wash your hair? So, okay, so dry scalp and dandruff are two different things. It looks the same, but you have to kind of know in your environment, do you actually have dry scalp or is it dandruff? With dry scalp, then you have to definitely use a moisturizing shampoo. Um, the first thing you want to do is two different shampoos. You want to use a clarifying shampoo 
The clarifying shell pool will help to remove any type of dandruff, debris, anything that's um, any type of residue in the hair. The moisturizing shampoo is going to add that that uh, moisture back into the hair. And then a calming um, a conditioner or a cool conditioner with natural preservatives will be able to help sustain the hair follicle as well as the scalp. So shampooing, if your hair is, um, if it's oily, I would probably say shampoo maybe twice a week. Yep, not every day because you don't want to strip. You don't want to strip the natural I do it every other oil. Day. Yeah, you don't want to strip the natural oil. And a lot of times, people feel like because they have they produce oil that is greasy. It's not necessarily greasy. That the oil is there. The natural oil is there to protect your hair for the for the elements. And I know that it's a it's a feeling. It's like oh, it doesn't feel right. And again, we're you know different different uh, communities of people. Dry climates versus climates of humidity. In drier climates, you're wanna you're gonna wanna feel like I don't need to necessarily sh uh, shampoo my hair as much. In climates of humidity, where it gets sticky, it gets greasy, it gets oily, you know, a little bit more often. And again, clarifying shampoo, following up with a moisturizer shampoo. Even if you're, cause like I'm 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 oily, I'm I definitely am oily, and I've got I've as I've been told. I have thin hair, but a lot of it. So like when my goes up, I have a lot of hair, but it's very thin. It's not thick hair. So it's fine. Okay. It's fine. Yeah. So I've got fine hair, but a full head. And so in this, um, you would say twice a month, uh, twice a week with that, but you would still use a moisturizing shampoo, even though it's oily. That I understand that. Yeah, I would. Yes, and and the reason why because you it is going to produce. So when you when your hair dries out, it's almost like you need to follow it right up with a moisture. The 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 time that it takes for your hair to produce oil is unknown. But if you live in a dry climate, you definitely want to follow it up with a moisturizing shampoo because what happens is the hair is not protected once you go out into the elements. If you if you were to shampoo your hair. So if it's naturally producing oil, then you may need to, again, clarify it maybe once or twice more a week. And it's really up to the personal, the individual, because some people, they don't like the way their hair feels, I would say. But you should not shampoo your hair that as often as we as we do, because what happens is as we grow older, we don't produce as as much as many hair follicles as we as we do when we're younger. So you're trying to hold on to what you have. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. So uh, I know you probably have more questions, Rain, um, but I do want to. So how many stylists, how big is your shop? Because, you know, Rain's waited a decade and probably in another five to seven years, you'll squeeze her in. These people this are called my beard. <laughs> <laughs> um, so how many stylists do you have in your shop? Just I just would like to like, what's the size of it, baby? Yeah. Interesting. So there are six stylists and we it's almost shaped like a like a compound. There are six cottages on the property. I own a half of a block downtown in the Arts District, Las Vegas. And on that block, the six cottages, four of them are consumed with stylists. So it's um, it's two stylists in each. And then we have a salon that is separate from women who are either Muslim or they can't get, you know, they can't get their hair done in front of men. That's what we use our, that's what we do our consultations um, for alopecia and those types of things. And then we have a boutique. So the total property is about 12,000 square feet. And we have a courtyard in the middle. So we service about 6,000 people in the valley right now out of the six of us. Wow. Okay. Do you, so we've got a question. Um, I am going to ask, do you ever bring in, I mean, I've gone in and done little, little like talks and psychic readings and empowerment stuff at salons before, like through the years, because I've always had a ton of friends that are hairdressers. Um, but do you do any kind of regular programs that are attached with your salon for mental health? Yeah, so um, we there. Well, I have a nonprofit called Wings. It's women, <clears throat> excuse me, women innovating new growth strategies. And um, there's a there's a mental health compart uh, compartment to that, where we educate people, men, women, and children, 
in regards to making better decisions for their health, which is which hair is including included in that. Um, you know, being in the arts district, we try to use art as a way to, you know, for, for mental health crises, for outlets for people. Um, and then also a way to be able to buy and sell and trade um, in my boutique area. Um, as far as uh, I have a few clients that own mental health agencies. So we're also, we're always speaking, having speaking engagements. Um, we do uh, baby showers, giveaways at our shop. We are um, in position really as mothers as well. I'm a mother to to have our kids involved in this mental health component. So when they start to see uh, kids, you know, come together and we do fashion shows, all of our, I try to keep that mental health component art and which we call steam now that's added in that uh, science, technology, art, mathematics, all those things are incorporated in mental health. So what we try to do is, is to keep that, that steam effort in all of the events that we do and engage not only adults, but children as well. And do you open up, and we've got a question on the board and I'm gonna read it in a second. Actually, let me read this question because I've got another question for you, but I wanna get this, I wanna get Valina. Valini. Sorry, mm -hmm. Valini. Um, my 10 year old has a dry scalp and gets a lot of dandruff in random places. How hmm. might one treat that? Yep. So that that could be called uh, it's a areata alopecia um, when that when you have different um, it's an area of dry scalp dry spots in the scalp. Um, so basically, what, what you need to do, I would before you go see a dermatologist, anytime you have you know something going on with your scalp and products are not working, you want to go and seek help. And the reason why is because there could be something going on internally. Uh, stress is a number one factor to to the scalp either being dry or or having you know over sebum even even too oily it could be it could be stress so in that case um, if products are not working you definitely want to seek professional help but just in her case I would try to use a moisturizing shampoo and but I would use something that has uh, raw plants in it so rosemary a uh, peppermint a green tea. If you live in a climate of moisture, tea tree. If you don't live in climates of moisture, I would stick with more so the spearmint or the green tea because sometimes astringents, natural astringents can be too harsh for the hair based on uh, the environment that we live in. So I noticed something interesting. Um, so my 10-year-old, does it make a difference if this is a 10-year-old boy or girl? Because there's, there's no. no indication of gender. And so no. I know you moved to when you said girl. So I just wanted to make sure. Okay. No. Okay. Um, so do you, would you ever use essential oils as a way to clean the hair? Yes. So, and again, with the essential oils, you want to make sure that you're familiar with the climate that you live in. So for instance, tea tree as an, as an essential oil you wouldn't really want to use that in Las Vegas because it's already drying. That's a little bit harsh. Um, in my products, I use more mentholated products. So menthol crystals is not, isn't still an astringent, but it's not as harsh as, for instance, a tea tree. How about New England? Two of us here are in New England. And of course, we all know that rain's a transplant. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, so, so then tea, tea tree would, would work a little bit better. I would, I would, I would definitely use, um, excuse me, essential oils uh, work really well. Now, the thing about essential oils is that you have to still test it with a with a patch because everyone doesn't, people can be allergic. It could be very overpowering if it's used in its purest form. So you kind of want to dilute an essential oil with a, a carrier oil. So that would be like a jojoba oil or avocado oil or um, you know, any type of oil that you can be able to dilute that essential. Now, if I took, I, I tend to like coconut oil as my carrier oil. Um, I think it's because one day I want to get back to Hawaii. I'm not sure. But anyways, uh, <laughs> um, but if I took tea tree oil, because I do a lot of work with essential oils in my private practice, because I'm a big fan of essential oils and mm -hmm. they on so many levels. So they can be bringing mental health benefits while you're using them to yep. 
pretty hair. Um, so if I take these drops and I put the drops in the coconut oil, which is liquefied, and I am putting it in my hair, do I have to do anything after that? Or does that act, would that act like a shampoo? I'm well, you no. Know, so you would, so what you would do is if you're, if you're trying to heal like a dry scalp, for instance, you would mix that. You would want your hair to be wet. You would put that in your hair. You would put a cap on your hair and let it sit in your hair for some time, 10, 15 minutes or so. And then you would, you would wash that out. Then you would come back in and clean the hair or you can, or you can do it vice versa. You would clean the hair. Now, if you're using it for more of a mental health calming aid and you're okay with the hair being greasy, in your case, you're, you produce sebum. So you said your hair is really oily. So I would probably use that first, um, let it sit for about 15, 20 minutes, and then follow up with the shampoo since you, you really don't want your hair to feel you know, oily or greasy. I still break out in acne and I, <laughs> that's how oily I am. As long as we don't okay. put it with snake or salesman, I'm okay. Um, <laughs> but my question for you is, but so you still need to use something at some point with a cleaning agent. The essential oil in itself will not be a cleaning agent. So essential oils can be good hair treatments. Yes. But they're not substitutes for shampoos. You would, you would need a shampoo base. You and in in actuality, yes, you need some suffocants, and I know people like to stay away from, you know, sulfates and things like that. But there are some good sulfates, believe it or not, because you need a suffocant to be able to to actually remove the the uh, dirt and kill germs and the microbes. Do you have any um, opinion on shampoo bars? On shampoo virus bars. Using oh, shampoo bar. bar. <laughs> I was like, that's a shampoo virus. <laughs> um, <laughs> shampoo bars. So not very. So, the okay, that's a good question. And I'm saying that because I'm old school. So we used to actually use bars, whatever you use for your body, you use for your hair because you just couldn't afford, you know, to do both or to buy both. Um, what I've learned though, is that people who use shampoo bars, they almost overuse it's, it's a, it's overkill. And so I've noticed that if you lather in your hands, you can still use a, a bar because the ingredients can come in different forms. So I would still lather it in my hand and put it in my hair. You don't really want to, you know, use a bar to, to scrape or scrub your hair because, you know, it, it's it's overkill. Again, we're trying to hold on to your to our hair, so you don't want to manipulate the hair. So I just as, put as a little, as I just go and take the bar. I pour a little martini in my hand and <laughs> go like this, and I go like that, and I I'm fabulous. Either that, or I don't care that I'm not. <laughs> that that part. That's the part that I'm getting to. <laughs> Who cares? <laughs> And that martini, with the martini, that's probably why the hair is really shiny and silver like that. That might you might be onto something. I'm gonna try it. Christine, I'm gonna leave the olives in. And I know we're running short on time, but I have 28 questions from 28 different people. Let's one go, Africa. We don't have the time. We're gonna bring you back, but there's one on the screen, right, Elmer? Yeah. Are you are you planning on writing a book or having your own line of natural products? I do have my own line of natural products. They are called Raw Remedies. I have a clarifying shampoo. I have a deep conditioner, moisturizing spray, a serum. That's a really, really great number one product. Works on everyone's hair. So if you look at Raw Remedies online or um, Raw Remedies on Instagram and Facebook, you'll be able to find us. Is it rawremedies.com? Yep, it's, it's rawremedies.com. I'm going to put it in our, our chat window. Yep. Um. Did I spell that right? R-A-W-R-E-M-E-D-I-E-S? Yep. Raw Remedies. Our website is rawremedieslv.com. Oh, that's why. It came up with something weird. I'm like, I don't think this is her. <laughs> and probably- But on Instagram, <laughs> on Instagram, we are just Raw Remedies. Okay. And we have amazing products, not because I make them, but because no, they actually they're work. They're amazing. Thank you. Amazing. Especially that hot flash spray. 
Yes, yes. I know you guys are sending the questions. We'll bring her back. I get it. Call her. Be 6,400. So, Rain, what, uh, who's our next guest? Paul Zotnitsky, the artificial intelligence, our love company guy. You don't want to miss that either. <laughs> and I'm getting, getting this for the host. Just put it in the chat. Um, and we need to end the show. We just oh. talk. You can hang on for a minute, Bobby. We can talk to you once uh, the show is done. I got to get the video file running. This was Thanks awesome. for watching or listening to the Laughing, Loving, Into Live show. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the show, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or support us with Buy Me A Coffee. To catch all of the latest from Laughing, Loving, and Alive, you can follow us on Instagram at Laughing, Loving, and Alive, and on Facebook at Laughing, Loving, and Alive. Thanks again, and see you next time.